If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of the Mind Pump. So we have a lot of fun in this episode for the first 50 minutes with your introductory conversation. After that, we get into the fitness part of this episode. So here's what we talked about. We started by talking about Westworld Season 3. It's coming out. Yeah. And I am excited. the importance of sci-fi movies. We are all sci-fi fanatics, especially Justin and I. Big time. Love that. Uh, then we talked about the email that uh, Anywhere Fitness sent out to its members that apparently was uh, super offensive. Very offensive. Body shaming. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can't believe it. Uh, then we talked about the entourage effect of cannabinoids. Uh, if you take hemp oil extract, full spectrum, that also contains CBD, uh, according to the studies, you're probably going to get better results than if you just take CBD alone. The cannabinoids seem to work better together, and there are terpenes that are present in the plant that work synergistically with the cannabinoids for best results. Now, of course, we work with Ned. It's our favorite uh, hemp oil company, and all their hemp oil products are full spectrum uh, so you get all the cannabinoids and the terpenes, and we got a discount for you. Go to Hello Ned. That's H E L L O N E D dot com forward slash Mind Pump. You'll get fifteen percent off your first purchase. Get yourself an entourage. Then we talked about how Mind Pump Live is selling out like crazy. Uh, I believe we're almost sell, uh, sold out in Denver, but Seattle still has some spots open. It that's is July twenty sixth. Dinosaur so. in San Francisco. That's the nearest one. That's July twelfth. That one has spots available. Remember, the live events, you get to meet Adam, Justin, myself, and Doug. We do kind of like a live show for you, answer questions, uh, shake your hands. We have a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Make sure you show up. Then we talked about uh, Adam's new brownie recipe. This one did not have weed in it. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are high-protein brownies made with Organifi the vanilla first. vegan protein powder. These sounded delicious. It was like ripe bananas. Uh, you had uh, peanut butter in there, the protein Don't powder. Don't give it away, Sal. He ate eight of them, though, so I, can't, I think he negated the health effects because he ate so many of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. Then we talked about Father's Day weekend. We had a great one. Shout out to all you involved, awesome, responsible fathers. Uh, you are uh, very important in your kids' lives. We talked about how Netflix is getting into the video game business. Adam thinks it's a bad idea. I think it might be a good idea. Um, and then Netflix is also starting new podcasts. That's kind of interesting. Oh, by the way, if you want to get your own Organifi protein powder so you can make brownies like Adam, make sure you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump for 20% off. And also, if you want to sign up for that San Francisco event, go to MindPumpLive.com. You can also sign up for the other events, but I think they're all selling out quick. So go check them out right now. Then we get into the fitness portion of this episode. The first question uh, for exercises like dumbbell bench press, is it better to straighten your arms out at the top or should you stop just short of that to keep constant tension like bodybuilders say you should? So we discuss and debate the benefits of doing full range of motion versus stopping just short of lockout. Next question, how important is the mind-muscle connection for muscle growth, a.k.a. hypertrophy? Next question, can we explain the benefits of lifting strange items like heavy bags or slam balls compared to barbells and dumbbells? Is there a benefit to lifting these unconventional objects when it comes to muscle building? 
And the final question, do we suggest doing daily work on a muscle group uh, like daily core work to help with development of weak areas? The short answer is yes, but you'll have to listen to the episode to find out why daily work can be effective to bringing up uh, uh, lagging body parts. Also, this month, MAPS Strong, one of our most effective muscle building and metabolism boosting programs, is 50% off. This is the only month we're going to be running this promotion. Here's what you do to get MAPS Strong. Go to mapsstrong.com, M-A-P-S-S-T-R-O-N-G.com, and use the code STRONG50, S-T-R-O-N-G-5-0, for the discount. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, shit, Doug. You know it's my favorite time of the week. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so we have four winners in iTunes and three for Facebook. The winners are for iTunes, Kylie Adams, Steelers JMB, Pat P05, and Heath Fulmer. For Facebook, Go we Heath! have Sean T. St. John, Megan Collier, Dinan Van Gorkum. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and include your Instagram handle, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. One of those sounds like a vampire. I think if I'm going to get on with my life, I'm going to have to find something, someone real. Do you need some help? So he meets Bro. her first. Wow. Dude, tell me. I Okay, so I'm watching that. I didn't even know it was Westworld. I was with Katrina, and we were, I don't know what we were getting ready to watch, but we were watching uh, something on TV, and that preview came up, and I'm like, I wasn't, I was like, oh, it sucked me in, because I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. Like, I haven't yeah, seen- Yeah, it looks like a brand new sci-fi movie that looks awesome. Right. And then all of a sudden, it goes Westworld 3 at the end. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. Yeah, I had to replay well, it. Because like, you get the girl at the very end, who is uh, the main character for all the Westworlds. I love when TV shows do this, where I was just talking to Doug off air about one of my all-time favorite TV shows, which was, uh, or series, which was uh, The Wire. And I love when they, like- they take a show and they completely yeah. like change. Reinvent themselves. Right. Yeah. Completely yeah. change the setting and the scene and add a ton of new characters, but still tie it into the storyline somehow. Yeah. It just makes it way, way more interesting because I find it really difficult for shows sometimes to go, uh, you know, season four and five and six and beyond. And then you just kind of feel like, how many times have you guys watched a season and end or a show? And then right around season four or five, it's you're like, stale. you're like, I know what's going to happen yeah, in it's the this, next season. Yeah, it's the yeah. same. It's the same story, but different. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know, you can. Well, I, I haven't. It. I've only watched two episodes of the first season, so I don't watch the Westworld. But I. But this one looks interesting. It looks... I, you of all people, I can't believe you didn't get into Westworld. Nah, I thought for sure you were going to nah, get into it. No, nah, I didn't. Because you you loved uh, Ex Machina, Machina or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mixed, yeah. I, I love that movie. Yeah, I feel Yeah, like, I know it's all about... It's a, it's kind of along that... I mean, I didn't give it a chance. I didn't watch more than a couple episodes, so I'm sure if I gave it a chance, I'd get sucked in. But I like that the 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 setting there. This looks kind of interesting. It's cool. The sci-fi setting. Yeah, no, it's cool because, I mean, they've already established that they've created this, like, enormous world somewhere. And, like, there's no backstory on it completely in terms of, like, how that all was constructed and all that. But there's still, in adjacent to that, an entire world that exists. And so they just pulled you right out of that world you knew into a whole new one. Do you guys know when the original Westworld movie was made? 
In the 70s? I think it was 70s or 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe it was 70s. Think about how brilliant of a concept that was back then. Oh, yeah. That they came up with. Did you actually watch it? I watched it once when I was younger. Have you seen it? No, no, I'm curious to watch it It's got this one dude that becomes the bad guy, you know, robot or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, brilliant. Uh, The thing I love about sci-fi movies the most is that oftentimes they predict... Kind of what ha- I mean. Obviously, they 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 try to predict as well as they can, but some elements tend to be true, or there's a lot of things that ring true in what they're trying to predict, which is kind of interesting. Well, I think 1973. Yeah, I love wow. I love science fiction because it's a thought experiment. It's really like it's trying to take uh, ideas of how we're trying so hard to advance and seeing where that ends up, mm-hmm. and so then you're trying to visualize that and display that and. You know, the ones that are good to me are the ones that are a forewarning are the ones that really are a reflection of, yes. you know, society and like some of the fucked up ways that we could totally mess this all up. And then also ways that we could uh, save ourselves. from. If things. they do a good job, sci-fi movies can really affect me. Do you want to know what movie affected me? Maybe the most. And it wasn't even meant to be a sci-fi movie, but it was if you really think about it. You'll never guess. Ghostbusters. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just picking random. Who are you gonna call? <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. Yeah, yes, man. Yeah. You're like, dude. Yeah, you got it. No, yeah. you know, you know, a movie really affected me, and it, it wasn't even meant to be this way, but it was. Uh, was uh, Wally the cartoon Wally? Oh uh, well, uh, I get, yeah. I get that. Did yeah. you watch that? Yeah, yeah. you. May, I mean, I watched it after you, uh, after you guys referenced it on the show. Yeah, like it was such a cute movie. All that stuff took my kids to watch it, but as I'm watching it, I'm like. Fuck! Like yeah, with yeah. all these super obese people in these little floating chairs, looking at their screens, not talking to each other. Yeah. Then the part where they fall out of their chairs and they can't get oh, up. Oh, it's and the move. ultimate rascal scooter. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah we're we're not too far off of some of that reality. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's you know, good sci-fi movies will do that. They'll make me like. Well, really, they really affect me, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I was watching over the weekend, like on Father's Day, they had this like uh, all these movies that were showing, and one of them was Willy Wonka, like the old one. Yeah. And it was interesting to see like how they depicted like these shitty kids, you know, and like like really like the the Oompa Loompas had songs about them, and like yeah. you know made points that like you don't want to be this rotten kid, or you don't want to be this kid that's like always like eating sweets and getting fat as fuck, and you know it's like <laughs> the TV. We, we can't even say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's so obvious, but it's so uh, like overplayed by everybody's sensitive feelings and bullshit. Yeah, no, that was a good one because they had all the they had the kid that was the the spoiled brat that was the girl. What was her name? Violet. Yeah, Violet. Veruca Salt. Veruca. Well, Veru- yeah, yeah. They Violet, did huh? turning each, Violet. Each one a- of the kids depicted like a negative characteristic, right? Isn't that what? Yeah, it, something like that. Like yeah. there was there was a kid, the girl that just da 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 talked and always chewed the most bubble. Yeah, down. then there was the the divisive kid who was like the loud mouth, right? That was always talking back at, 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 over everything, right? Yeah, yeah. there's there's the kid, the greedy, the greedy kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, and then the the one kid who who just like wanted to insert himself and everything. Oh, I'm gonna do that, and he became like the first kid to like uh, get in the TV and then like travel, and so he turned tiny and all yeah, this. Yeah. But yeah, it was just like it was interesting to see like how they were depicting like these traits of kids and and like how to not. Act that way, and yeah. the songs were so good. What yeah. do you do if Ooh. your kid is up, Brett? Is up, Brett? <laughs> yeah. Get him a hat. Yeah, I love, I love, I love yeah. that freaking yeah. movie. Yeah. There's a candy store in. Uh, is it in Los Gatos? I think it's in Los Gatos or Campbell. And when you walk in there, of course, it's a candy store. So there's candy everywhere. 
but they have Willy Wonka on constant loop. Oh yeah. Which which if you're a visiting customer is cool. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine working oh, there? That would be hell. <laughs> it's on it's always. Yeah. It's just constant. Imagine hearing the Oopa Loopas constantly. I'd go psychotic. Like, get me the fuck out of this place. <laughs> Dude. You probably they, eat all the candy to yeah. cope. And it's funny because like these old movies too, they they'd always have one sort of weird psychedelic trip, right? Like they always would insert even in Disney movies they did this a lot. But like, yeah, so he's going in through this tunnel, and then all of a sudden all these like weird fucked up psych like like imagery just started popping up, and you're just like, What is this? Sign of the times. Yeah, it was. It was psychedelic. Speaking of uh, uh people getting offended easily, which you know, this is the worst time in history for that. Oh, it's it's insane. Yeah, Anytime Fitness, uh, so I read this article, Anytime Fitness sent out this email, or one of the franchises sent out an email, and immediately everybody got pissed off, or a lot of people got pissed off because it was body shaming by the by this particular email. I want to try and find the email so I can read it to you. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Did you already right read it? I said, yeah. you know, fat kids. It, 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 no, it says, uh, it, it says something like it addressed warm days. It says warm days of summer ahead. And then urge members to think about spending time at the beach or lake with family and friends. So it says shorts, bathing suits, flip-flops, the smell of suntan lotion, and lots of pictures of you that will be posted online forever. Lots of sucking in, side turns, skinny arm posts, and God forbid, a side pick while sitting down. Take your hand and grab the excess you have on your waist. Can you pinch it? Can you grab it? Well, I want to call it what it is, fat. That caused an uproar. Oh wow! What? People, yeah, yeah oh. I know. What? I was reading it. And I'm like, where? Where is that offensive? Yeah, where? It's, it's a gym. Yeah. You're getting an email from a gym. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Hey, hey, you. You know, yeah. grab yourself. Do you have body fat? Hey, come join our gym. Here's the thing about offensive people getting offended all the time. It's, I can see if it's directed at like if I was talking to an overweight person specifically. Yeah. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, grab yeah, your you belly. Be sensitive, especially That's, if they're trying to change themselves. Totally different. It's an email. It's a broad email. You know, like if I say a word on the on the podcast that's offensive to somebody, if I see that person in front of me, it's going to be very different. I'm not going to say it directly to that person because I'm not. I know it's offensive, but I'm saying it out into the general whatever. It's just getting silly. But people got got all offended about that. And I was reading the email. I'm like, it's kind of a good email. <laughs> <laughs> kind of nails it. Yeah. They would, send it over to the marketing department. Dude, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if <laughs> I would have. Maybe we'll rerun it. Yeah. yeah I don't know if I would have made it uh, as a gym manager today. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff I used to post yeah. on my how do you How do you even communicate to people Dude. anymore? Like, well, you remember like, when Mark talked about the. You must want to change. The well, billboard. Would I want to change. The yeah. billboard with the aliens. They'll take oh, the fat ones first. Could you imagine what that would do now? <laughs> oh, my God. Now, right. that was back in 2000. I want to say what it was, was like that? 01 or 2000 2000 or something yeah. like that and the billboard said it had a picture of an alien on it with like a flying saucer and said when they come they'll eat the fat ones first yeah. and people got so <laughs> mad about that back then but today I couldn't even imagine they'd probably cause a riot oh yeah you know yeah. so I what I wonder sometimes and I don't torches. know I don't know how brilliant uh, the person was at Anytime Fitness but I definitely think that it can't be a bad strategy to do some shit that's borderline offensive that it's going to cause all these people an uproar because here we are on yeah. a podcast 
talking about it right now. We can't be the only people talking about it right now. Very well, true. I think, yeah, that's a great point. I think that, uh, you know, more, th- this is going to have to happen more in order for anything to change, really, is to really, like, push back. And it is going to offend people. It is going to, people are going to get pissed off, and then they're going to eventually realize, oh, we're just we're just overreacting. This is, yeah, being, this is being ridiculous. Yeah, because what ends up happening is the people who flourish in this kind of environment, you're either so afraid to say anything, and so you're always constantly trying to change what you're saying to sound like you're whatever or assholes assholes who just point they they do it on purpose and they don't even care it's kind of a weird environment i'm not sure how this is all going to play out but this whole like outrage culture about everything it's almost like you know what somebody i was talking to my my one of my cousins who's he's super uh crass and he's like, yeah, we just need like a plague or something. I'm like, what? He goes, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. He goes, he goes, here we go. Yeah, here we go. He goes, it's just, he goes, life is too easy. He goes, we need some hard shit so people <laughs> stop focusing on this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. we need like some, some real shit happening. So well, so that's the, I've said that before. To that point, that makes me worry because I think we're still heading in the direction of things getting easier and easier and easier yeah. and yeah. easier and more free and more, you know, like, and everybody getting to have it to where it gets oh, to a point. challenge. Yeah. So, you you almost think it's going to get worse, uh-huh. you know, because yeah. everybody expects to get things now. Oh, no, the way technology sure. is moving and making our lives like super seamless and easy, and like, yeah, we have to like create struggle. And yeah. so I th- this is like the first sign of that, right? We were like trying to create conflict uh, that doesn't exist. Oh, dude, you ever watch old stand up comedy from like the seventies and eighties and nineties? I don't know if they would fly today. You watch, oh, no, no. dude. Like I mean, Richard Pryor. That's why I love watching these old movies, dude. <laughs> bro. It cracks go, me up. go watch Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Uh, which one was it? Was it Delirious raw. or Raw? Yeah, raw or Delirious. What was, oh, dude, he's he's saying stuff, and you're just like, whoa, oh, that I would know. get he would get destroyed today. Right. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't pull clips from that at some point just to fuck with him, you know, not realizing the context or whatever, and be like, you said this or he said that. You know what oh, I mean? God. They're not even untouchable anymore. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, another cool another article I read that's better than that one. That was a dumb one. Um, <laughs> was uh, you know CBD is is though. getting like insane right now. We've talked about this on the podcast uh, just time and time again. I in fact almost weekly someone is sending me a picture of a new product that threw CBD in there, whether it's toothpaste or cereal ice cream or you know pizza face product face yeah. product it's like why are they adding cbd to everything well magical cbd i wanted to talk about uh something that scientists have identified known as the entourage effect that we've uh witnessed in studies uh done on uh cannabis in particular but also on the hemp plant and that is that when all of the 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 whole plant extract is present when there are not just the the most important cannabinoid like CBD for example when when it's when it's combined with other cannabinoids that come with the plant and the terpenes that are in the plant as well terpenes that would give the plant its smell and whatever and other compounds it just seems to work much better uh, they're finding that a lot of these cannabinoids enhance each other's ability to do what they're what they're supposed to do or do the, the beneficial things. And so we're finding that the the whole plant extract is far superior. I was reading an article on THC, for example. And THC has we've known of its medicinal properties for a long time. There's a, a we've sold THC purified synthetic THC uh, as medicine for a long time. But when you look at the reports of people using THC and getting negative effects, far higher than when people use THC 
in combination with the whole plant extract. Like the, the, the side effects of things like paranoia and anxiety are far higher with just THC than they are with the, all the, when all the other cannabinoids are, are present, even when the THC amount is the same. This is true for CBD as well. Uh, we're starting to see studies showing that just taking CBD may have some beneficial effects for things like anxiety, but what seems to work even better is if it's present with all these other cannabinoids and terpenes that seem to make it have much more balanced and effective effect on people, which is kind of cool. So when when you say that, because it needs to have some THC in there, when like the the hemp product that we that we talk about, does that have that included too? No, no, no. Not that it needs THC, but it has a full spectrum of cannabinoids that comes with the plant. So Ned's uh, hemp oil extract is full spectrum hemp oil, meaning and now hemp is low in THC. So hemp is from the same family as marijuana. It's just very, very low in THC. And to be legally grown in the US, it has to be below a certain amount of THC. So if you were to smoke hemp, you wouldn't you wouldn't get any psychoactive uh, effects. It doesn't have, but it has all the other cannabinoids in there, including, of course, the popular one known as CBD, and it's got all the terpenes. And so Ned's product is full spectrum hemp oil extract. It's not just CBD. It's not just CBC or CBG or all these other cannabinoids that have all these effects. It's all of them. And when I when we first worked with them, and you know, I asked them for the lab reports. When they would send me these independent lab reports, they would show concentrations of CBD, but you would also see how many other, all the other cannabinoids that are present in there as well, Mm. Um, which is probably why anecdotally it's worked the best for people. Because I've used, I've I've been using CBD for years now uh, when I realized that it helped me with my my gut issues. Um, And I've used it in different forms. I've used it in full plant, you know, where back in the day I would go, this is before you could buy hemp oil extract. Mm -hmm. I would have to go get medicinal, uh, you know, I'd get a medicinal marijuana card. I'd go to the dispensary and I'd buy high CBD, low THC cannabis, and that would work really well. And then when CBD became popular, people were just extracting CBD. So you could just buy pure CBD. And every time I would take pure CBD, it wouldn't give me the same beneficial effect as the, the whole plant. I just noticed a better effect from it. Um, same thing with the hemp products. The a lot of people are saying, "Oh my God, the, you know, Ned, I feel it works better." Pr- part of it may be that it actually has CBD because the other products are full of shit. The other part of it is just it's full spectrum. It's quality. It's got all that other stuff in there. So, uh, you know, for people who are doing research on this, uh, smart thing to do would be go online and look up the look up cannabinoid entourage effect. And look at what the science is saying. And the science is really pointing to the fact that for best effects, you kind of want this full spectrum of cannabinoids. You don't just want the one that you know you think is going to give you the best effect. Now, what is your what is your actual cadence and usage of it look like right now? Because I feel like good old fitness industry is turning this into a, America's Daily. number one and most expensive yeah. post workout. There's a loading sequence. Post workout <laughs> regimen. I mean, this you got all these uh, fitness gurus that are now uh, promoting it so much that it's like, you know, oh, it's so great for recovery. And so post-recovery, you know, they're dropping it in their mouth and they're showing after Mm -hmm. the workout. And and the way that we've ritualized 
uh, pre-workouts, we are now seeing this try to get ritualized into a post-workout thing because it helps facilitate recovery. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about something that's a really expensive tool that you're using to try and build more muscle. What's your thoughts on that? No, I think it's silly. I think um, if you – here's how I use it. I use it uh, when – so there's a few different ways I'll use the hemp oil extract. One way is if I'm going to take a large dose of stimulants, like if I'm going to take a big dose of caffeine, I like to take theanine with the caffeine and I'll throw other things on top of it, uh, the hemp oil ha being one of my favorites. When I combine that with caffeine, let's say I'm going to go write a blog. Um, you know, I need to go write a thousand word blog. So I'm like, okay, I want to kind of be focused. I'll have coffee or just caffeine pill, theanine and CBD. And it gives me this nice constant kind of stimulant uh, effect. The other way I use it is if it's getting close to bedtime and I feel a bit worked up and I know like, okay, it's nine o'clock. I'm going to try and be in bed by 10 and I am just wired, not tired. I'm just not tired at all. <clears throat> and I know I need to work at, wake up tomorrow at 6am or 5am or whatever. Then I'll take some CBD kind of as an enzyolytic. It tends to calm me down and then I, I can get to sleep. I don't use it every night. I don't think sleep aids should be used any night, every night, regardless of what they are. I think it could develop a bad pattern. But if, if I'm feeling especially wired, then I'll use it. And then the other way I use it, and this is again my own anecdote, is you know my gut health is far better than it was you know 10 years ago when I had to do this regular routine of it. Now, if I start to notice I'm getting kind of gut issues uh, and it's not from food, like I didn't just eat <clears throat> dairy or I didn't just eat a bunch of sugar and I'm eating normal and yet I'm starting to get some gut issues and I can't really pinpoint what's going on, then I'll start using CBD regularly because for me, it seems to have uh, an uh, anti-inflammatory effect on my gut. So I use it as needed, not mm. as a... Now, somebody may... Look, the people who use uh, CBD medicinally, like kids with epilepsy, they have to use it every day. Yeah, that's totally different. Totally different. Yeah, he's That's um, that's not the, the bodybuilder kid who's trying to add five pounds of muscle, so he, he takes it after every workout. There's very little... There's almost nothing that I think someone should take... Every single day. You know what I'm saying? Right. Even yeah. creatine, the most widely studied and supported supplement ever when it comes to athletic performance, even that I think every single day is overkill. I think taking it on the you know the days you work out is sufficient. You don't need to take it every day. Um, I don't really think there's much of anything that I recommend. Is there anything you can think of that you would think someone should take no. on an every single day basis? No. I don't. It's kind of as needed. Water. Yeah. yeah. Toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah. You, should brush, you should brush your teeth every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Water. Yeah, don't <laughs> skip don't a day. <laughs> you guys ever heard of tooth uh, of, uh, of brushing fasting? Uh, no, you yeah. haven't. Hunter-gatherers. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we don't want to hang out with you if you're that guy. <laughs> you're I'll not going to sell me on this I'll idea. make the case for it right now. <laughs> you know, hunter-gatherers never brush their teeth. No. No. Stop with all this well, speaking of Ned, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm actually really excited about Denver because our event that we're having out there, it's actually selling out faster than yeah. the other events, which Crazy. I would have ne never thought that. Uh, I know I think San Francisco is a little over three quarters full right now. Uh, Seattle is almost all the way full, and Denver is damn near sold out already. And that's the I think that's the furthest one away is the Denver one. Wow! Do you know if we'll be able to see Ned's uh, facility while we're there, or is that? Uh, I mean, we're definitely doing the uh, the live event, but that they're putting on for that's us. a good question. And t I think Taylor uh, Taylor and Brianna are on the the actual schedule of like what how many days we're there for and what what yeah. else we're doing besides the live event. 
Well, it'll definitely be awesome either way. I've, I've never been to Colorado, so I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I, Colorado, I heard, is an amazing place. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you lived there for mm-hmm. a second. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, and That's I told, when you got picked on, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you I don't like bad taste. Yeah, yeah, so I don't like the people, right? And I don't mean oh, like. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're different now, dude. They grew up. You were, no. too, you were too brown. No, for I was. A, yeah, no, I was a, I was a kid. Too brown. You know? for I was town. only in uh, for seventh, seventh, seventh grade, eighth, seventh and eighth grade there. And I, I got bullied and, and picked on. And my mom pulled me out of the school uh, after the basketball season. So I played the basketball season. And then after the basketball season was over, she pulled me out and I homeschooled for the, the rest of the year. So of course, as a young kid, um, uh, I have this idea that, you know, Colorado people are mean to California kids, right? But that's obviously an overgeneralization <laughs> and I don't think that. <laughs> but that's how I probably felt as a kid down there. Yeah. But what I do remember of the state, even though I- I'll have to give you hugs. I did. Right, all the different- Mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I did remember was it. W- it's one of the most beautiful states that I've ever been in. Uh, it's, it's either- green or white it's all like it's the the colors are beautiful and then mm. the the fall is amazing too but i mean it doesn't have this california we have we have like this you know a couple dead months i feel like when it gets really really hot like right now and yeah things June, turn kind of brown and then yeah. fires and then we get back to normal yeah that's kind yeah. of like we kind of go through that in california uh colorado is just it's just either rolling beautiful green hills and green trees or it's beautiful snow it seems like i see colorado is there's a few places in the u.s that that because california is bleeding residents faster than it has in a long time yeah and it's one of the that's one of the places that Californians there, are going to. Idaho is is getting crazy right yeah. now. Austin, Texas, yeah. Yeah, Texas is one of them. Uh, Colorado is another one. Seattle too, right uh, up that way. Yeah, people are going there, and it's funny that people are are of those places are getting pissed off because like you ruined your own yeah. state. Don't come here and ruin our state. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want you either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt as a kid coming yeah. to Colorado. Is that's they already kind of had that stigma, like oh, you told them you were from California. It's like ah, we don't want yeah. you here. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I felt. I'm excited to go there, man. And it's, it's I've only heard good things about that place, and the fact that we're selling out first there with our tickets just. Goes to show that they're probably awesome. Yeah, first, first what's state up, to what's, legalize weed. Right? Yeah, what's so. up with our what's up with our local uh, Californians not filling up as fast? as they I ever? know. I, Where are you at, San Francisco? I would have thought that that would have sold out right away. One, it's the most recent. Two, it's closest to us, so I would think local. It just goes to show that we. Uh, it's, it's interesting where our audience is at. It's not necessarily focused in the Bay Area, where you would think that we're more known because we've been in the gyms here for the last. Two decades, yeah. you know, we're, we're too local. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, tell me about the brownies that you were talking about. Oh yeah, is that I crushed last night? So you know, it's another example too. Examples of like how we use our brands, right? Like this is Organifi. I I love doing this every now and then. I'll tell Katrina that uh, you know I've got a sweet tooth or whatever, and she'll get on like Organifi's blog and start looking up all their. Uh, different recipes and so last night she made me their brownies so i'll shoot you and i try and do this and so uh, as much as i can i know I don't is there any dairy in these besides butter no no so this is uh oh, perfect three overripe bananas uh, a half a cup of peanut butter two tablespoons of unsweetened cocoa powder and two scoops of organifi vanilla protein and it makes a nice little Send batch of jessica huh? please mm. yeah they were bomb they're really mm. good. And you ate the whole... I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They aren't designed to do that. You're not supposed to do that, but I was. Man, they were yeah. They were pretty... Yeah, I, he, I didn't have all of them. She had like two. So she had like two of them, How I many think. total? 
I don't know, maybe eight. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> they weren't massive brownies. They were little. So. Were, you like, were, you, were you like a kid? You had like brownie crumbs all over your face. I was. Yeah. I was. I was watching. So, watch. But they got protein in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I justified. justified. Yeah, yeah. I, needed, I needed the protein. Oh, right. dude, I didn't even ask you guys. Like, uh, how was your Father's Day? Oh, it was great. Yeah. What What'd you just, do? Uh, barbecue into the beach. Uh, we actually had my nephew with with us the whole weekend, and so it was kind of funny. It was uh, he's three years old. And just potty training, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like what?" So it's Father's Day, so I got to pretend to be like you know a father <laughs> of a toddler again. You know, it was great. Though. I mean, they had a great time because they were all playing and everything. But uh, it, it was just kind of funny. It was like three, I'm good, dude. Two, I'm like I got down. You know, three is a whole another challenge to to manage. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. How about I'm you? Not ready for that. This is your first like. You F- know? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess I actually wasn't even anticipating for me to be celebrating it because. Uh, I mean, Maximus is not here, but I guess I qualify as a father already. And uh, so I got... You're honorary. Dude, I yeah. got, uh, you know, breakfast made in bed in the morning. I got a, a Father's Day present from my girl. I got a Father's Day present from my mother-in-law. I mean, I got... Wow. I was like, I could get used to these presents in June. If someone would have told me that, I might have had a kid a little sooner. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I didn't know it was going to be down, get down like that. They, I mean, we, and then yeah, all that's day... That's the whole reason why you become a dad, right? right. <laughs> it is. Get the gifts. <laughs> yeah. You got to get something out of the deal. Your son's like, yeah. Dad, why did you have me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. Dad something. wanted gifts in the summer. I need a new comforter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but it was actually, I got a new pillow and I got a new lunchbox. You guys are gonna make fun of me for the. Did lunch you really? Box. It's amazing, though. Wait, a new no, pillow. I loved it. Yeah, my, yeah. Courtney got me a new pillow. I don't know why, but uh, apparently, I said, uh, like, yeah. She's, She's like, like, your I pillow think you smells. Need a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thanks. The other one's getting soggy. I was getting. Yeah. Emo- I got emotional this Father's. That's why I did that post with you guys. I was really feeling super grateful and blessed mm. to you know be surrounded by such incredible examples of dads and. You guys know my kids are out of the country right now. They're yeah. they're in Italy with their mom. Right. Boo. How many, what day are you on right now? How many days, dude? I'm. This is uh, right before Father's Day. A little bit times. over a week. So I want to know when it hits the longest ever. This is it. Yeah. So when what day was that when it reached that? That's what I'm curious. Well, I, I, You've obviously had three day, five days. She's been they've been at her house for. A, a, uh, a week I think at a time. probably today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I I I, ne- I almost never go without seeing my kids for at least a couple. So even when they're with their mom. Uh, you know, because we do dual custody, right? So they're one week on, one week off. You still take them to? I pick them up from school, or practice. Or yeah, something. so I see them still. I see them at least. Uh, you know, I don't go two days without seeing them. Mm-hmm. So, and then the fact that they're, I know that they're gone and out of the country, and the fact that I know that they're going to be gone. They're out of reach. Like it's that's far. And they're gone yeah. for a while. Yeah. You know, I remember yeah. my my ex, her family has a home there. She's from there, so they don't just go for a week or two. They go for like a month. Mm. So I'm not gonna. So I, I. So they Facetime me. Yeah. And uh, oh man, it's hard. I didn't yeah, realize. I, I knew so. I'd miss them, but man, it's really really tough. Well, yeah, I could. I mean, that on top of it being Father's Day too, like, and, and they're 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 that remote from you. I could yeah. tell. Yeah, that would be that would be tough. Well, it's funny because I Facetime them every morning, right? Because yeah. because of the time difference. So on the way to work, I'll Facetime them, and I was you know on on the thing with them, and I faced my son answers the phone. And him and his sister are playing uh, video games because they they got my bro- my son bought a Nintendo Switch uh, to bring over there, so they're playing Nintendo. And I'm talking to him, and I was kind of and this is the thing as a parent, you'll talk to your kid, and they're going to be preoccupied or whatever. You can't take a personal. You yeah. want to take a personal, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're not paying attention, whatever. <laughs> so they did that, and so then I, I hung up the phone. And I was kind of like a little hurt, like fuck, man, uh. they were not really paying attention to me or whatever. And then you know, ten minutes later, I get a video from them. 
because I think that they realize that they hurt my feelings a little bit. And they're like, hi, we're sorry we were rude. We love you and we're going to pay attention. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> oh, you got me. It kills me. Yeah. No, but I was, I was feeling just super grateful because, um, you know, uh, I, I, I was at, uh, I think I told you guys about this, uh, the, the church I have been going to, the guy does these incredible talks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about fathers in particular and the importance of fathers in the home. And he's rattling off all these statistics. We've talked a lot about these statistics. Like if a father's not present in their child's life, like the, the odds of them not being successful, going to jail, not doing well in school, not having, you know, a, a good life, yeah, doing uh, committing suicide, doing drugs. It's just absolutely insane. And it's sad that uh, I think the statistic is 43% of children are raised without uh, their father. They're mm. just, they're just mm-hmm. not present in their lives. And so he was talking about um, you know, the importance of that. And he was also talking about studies showing what kind of parenting style give, creates the best results. I saw Jessica posting about that. Yes. That was really fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So it's this chart. It's like this, this four-quadrant chart. And then the upper right quadrant is high discipline, high love. Mm-hmm. So fathers who show lots of love, lots of connection, but also a very – have good structure and are strict, authorita- authoritative. Then underneath that is uh, low love, high uh, discipline, and that's authoritarian. That's mm-hmm. like a dad who doesn't show a lot of love like and affection, but just yeah. does that. Yeah. Then on the the top left one was a permissive dad who's very loving and whatever, but not very disciplined. Mm-hmm. And then in the bottom left was neglectful. He's neither neither disciplined nor. And so he's going over which one you know gives you the best effect, and it's obviously the dad who's dis- who's very disciplined, structured, but also uh, very loving. And he was talking about how uh, it's not common. I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, statistically, 43% of kids without dads that leaves 60, you know, just under 60 parent uh, kids with dads. What percentage of them have a dad that's super involved, not passive, where he just comes home from work? And you know, watches TV and doesn't not involved, or who's just a dictator? Like, what percentage of dads are actually super involved, but also care enough to 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 be involved in life and have that that discipline? And I was thinking, like, it's it can't be that much. Right. Yeah. And the reason why I was feeling blessed is because the the dads that I know are like that. Like Justin's like that. Doug's like that. And Adam for sure is going to be like that kind of dad. So mm-hmm. I was just very grateful You're like to that. have those. Yeah, well, and, and it's good to be surrounded by yeah. that, you know, because you start to pick up on on the people around well, you. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I truly believe that you're you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. So choose choose wisely. Yeah, that's right? really, mm-hmm. really, really cool. You know, terrible transition, but uh, I wanted to share an, an article that I read on, on Netflix. So Netflix, we talked about how they are getting um, into, they did, they're going to re- release the Coke uh, what was it? The um, oh, the uh, classic. Yeah, cl- not, the, not classic. the classic. The uh, new Coke. Yeah, or? new Coke. Right? Yeah. Wasn't it new Coke? Was what the call of it? We, and they were going to pair it with Stranger Things when it launches. Oh, in right, 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 right. Remember? Yeah. So they just released news that they're going to actually create a video game. So Netflix is going to dabble in the video gaming world, and it's going to be Stranger Things. Is it going to be like a like an a act, like piece Things like video a game? A game that you buy or free. Huh. No, I'm I'm assuming it'll be a streaming service. Now, what I don't know, How yeah, how will you play it? 
So you stream it, I'm sure. And play with like your remote control. Ah, well, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Or or, I, or it could be on a, a platform. What I don't know by from the article is where it will live, how much it will cost, those details. It sounds like the easiest way for them to do that would be to make an app where they would like have the game live there and you would just play on your phone. Maybe. But uh, uh, what I'm curious from you guys and what your thoughts on the potential success or lack thereof of them doing that. So mm. forget how they're going to play it. Say that it's the most optimal place, however you would want it, whether it be in an app or a video game that you use through Xbox or you can play it through your remote. I don't give a shit yeah, where it's at. I don't at. know. I, I mean, they're making a lot of moves right now to uh, compete with everybody. I mean, they're, they're obviously saw all those moves Disney was making. And so I could see them like really trying to kind of dabble in different directions. I also saw them making moves in the podcasting direction. I think it's smart. I think yeah. it's a smart move because one thing that we learned with video games not that long ago, because for a while there, when you were making video games, if you were a company that made games and you were trying to be competitive, the way you won the market was by making the best graphics, the best game, it had the best interface, it was just the most advanced, awesome game. And what we learned when apps came out and people were playing simple, stupid games on their phone where yeah. you pop bubbles or you line, those games went viral. And yeah. so what we learned was that in order to make a game that goes viral, it doesn't have to be the Xbox game or the, the PlayStation game. Uh, it, it could be a simple game yeah, that's just kind of catchy. I think, too, like what they did really well with Stranger Things is the nostalgia of everything, yes. right? They've captured that that time period where, you know, our generation and maybe a little bit above and below our generation really, uh, you know, loved that whole nostalgia piece to it to where they could create like a pixelated game and have that kind of feel like oh yeah, you know, make that, like an Atari version exactly. And I think that would might do well. That's so, a very smart. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad you guys took that position because I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's going to flop. Um, I think that it's a terrible market to trying to get into right now. Yeah. I think the video gaming industry in general is declining because of things like you pointed out, like apps. Um, are just too easy, too easy, and more people are, are on their phones like that. So I think already trying to in uh, to get into a market uh, where they don't have real market share, I think is already challenging enough. It's an expensive venture for them to do, and we have examples of companies like them trying to do this and failing miserably. For yeah. example, Nike. Name me, yeah, Nike. Name me uh, a Disney video game that you guys are aware of, and I'll tell you that they've made tons. Mm -hmm. But you've never heard of any of them because none of them did anything really. Mm. They were all flops. They tried to take an audience yeah. that was in love with you know Nemo and make a video game out of it, and then hoping that that would yeah, carry over in the video game world and take off. Are, and it, they were all flops. But are they? I don't know what their strategy is. Cause this is an article you read, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. are, did they say that they're trying to? Compete in the video game market, or they're just trying to create video games. Well, to, you, you always to are. supplement like a console. Their, you, you, I'm just I'm curious. You yeah. always are. I mean, if you're gonna get, you don't get into a, you don't move out of your your lane to get into another lane uh, to not compete and do well, right? I mean, you want some of the market share. Yeah, but what I mean is, it's uh, too expensive are, to just compliment your business. What I mean is, are they selling the game or is it obviously, a free game? They're going to try and monetize it. Obviously, okay. they're going to try and monetize it. Okay. It would be too, otherwise, why Why would you even try and do that? It doesn't make sense to even try and do that unless you're trying to make money off of it. Because I, it's probably I'm, the same way Disney did. So Disney, would, you, you, you would sell the rights to it, right? So that's in a Netflix original series. So Netflix owns the rights to Stranger Things. 
So then you what you do is you license the rights to Stranger Things to like Xbox to make oh, a Stranger Things yeah. video game. Okay, so yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, they're yeah, doing. Yeah. It's not that, that they're sense. making the game. It, it, even the, art, the article wasn't completely clear on if that's exactly, that's exactly what I would assume they're doing. That they're just licensing it to... Yeah, that they're just licensing the... the and they would do... And, think about, and the idea, I would think, is all of these blockbuster Netflix original mm-hmm. series that take off like Stranger Things... Can we cross over and get into gaming right. and license off the, the the rights to create a game, and then it hopefully sells. Very more. few movies and, and and pop culture, you know, cartoons or whatever. Very few of those do well as video games. Yeah, some of them themselves. do. Some of them do. Some I mean, obviously, Star Wars. Star Wars did well. Goldeneye was a fucking blockbuster, and Golden that was, was yeah, big. that was 007. Um, but usually, it's the and it, oftentimes video games that turn into movies. Have those done well? I'm trying to think right now. The oh. other way around, video games first. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I don't. Wreck It Ralph. That wasn't a video game though. It was. No, yes, it was. It was no. made up. It was yeah. a made up video game. Oh, it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it was actual real video yeah. game. No. They used some real video game characters in the movie, but yeah, the actual main character they made up his yeah. whole backstory. I wonder if is ne- if Netflix is trying to change their, make their platform so that you can access both games and. And movies. Well, and that might be this might be a way of testing that market, right? Because they're trying to be more interactive. They have the choose your own series stuff that's oh, coming yeah. out. They have them for kids. Have you seen that? The uh, You versus Wild, like Bear Grylls. My kids love that. Great show. Yeah. Great show for kids. Yeah, they can choose like which, and they shoot. Poor guy, dude. He fucking he has to shoot like a couple different options, and you just know like he's like, oh my god, okay, I'll eat this, you know, pile of shit for you. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> he just sees. In his face, you know, he's, he's like, like, You asshole, like, all right, kid. I know you're gonna pick this fucking option, you know, you're <laughs> down the hatch. Well, you dude, know? if you're Netflix and you're looking at because the the new media market is, I mean, the, the children market is massive. YouTube's already proven that, yeah. The most viewed videos on YouTube are the ones for kids. What did you show us the other day, yeah, baby, four, baby Shark or yeah, whatever? 40 billion, oh, but it was like billions of views. So Netflix, in order to compete with someone like Disney, they don't have the Disney cartoons anymore, right? Because Disney took them off, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. So they got to make these interactive, because that's what kids want. They want that interactive component. Yeah. So yeah. so it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know what? It's it'll be cool to watch them to do it and to see if it actually turns into anything. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I think we have examples of similar attempts. I think you could the most closely related attempt to take an audience who watches a show or a movie and get them to go out and buy a video game to play that on a console. I think we have examples of that with Disney already. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are some outliers with the Golden Eyes and the you know Star Wars, Star Wars and maybe some of these films that, that did carry over to that. Uh, I think some of those, but I think some of those were just great games. Yeah, like well, that's that, they have to like be good Gold, Goldeneye and Star Wars when they hit; those are good games. Well, that's like, the key because yeah. I I was not a Star yeah, Wars fan. I also wasn't a Goldeneye fan, but I played both those video games because yeah. I was into gaming, yeah. and those were great games. So just because you have an audience that are following and watching Stranger Things, and that's a great show, and it's catchy and trendy. Doesn't necessarily mean mean that it translates into like a really epic mm-hmm. video game. Well, right? What do you think of their moves in the podcasting space? So they've actually uh, created, I think it's like three or four different shows, and and they're using employees to actually like tell their stories of like you know working at Netflix, but also like what they're currently watching within the Netflix 
Netflix. Because here's the thing. When you have like a library that's that big, a lot of times like you want recommendations all the time. Yes. And so they're they're trying to figure that out and like create a podcast to have dialogue around that with their employees. And, and then- Oh, uh, that's what the podcast will look like. Yeah. So that's one of them. And then the other one was like when they, when they shoot uh, these original content series with like, uh, you know, big name actors and everything- they'll take them aside for this podcast, like a 30 minute podcast where they'll like do like rapid fire, like out of a question out of a hat kind of stuff. So it's like, it's kind of like on, on YouTube where you see them like read off mean tweets or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So they're doing kind of like this gimmicky thing just to kind of get, uh, you know, like a little bit of their footing in, in content wise within the podcast realm. So it's just interesting. It's, it's brand play, you know? So they're mm -hmm. trying to like, bring uh you know some of that into the podcasting arena i think it's cool because i love now it. we got netflix you know like interested in podcasting. i'll tell you what this is why i love it so much i just looked at statistic uh the other day that only i think still less than half of all americans have listened to a podcast now we're in the bay area so it, we're a little bit skewed here because people tend to be on the up and up when it comes to tech but still that's less than half of americans that have listened to any podcast i don't know what the st statistics are for people who listen you know, regularly. Uh, and that just goes to highlight that the new media, new media still, still is not the dominant media. No. Most Americans still get their news from, you know, mainstream broadcast news. So it's, it's all, it's a battle right now. They're all fighting for, because at some point soon, definitely within 10 years, I think it's going to happen as quick as within five years. That shift is happening where all media, right? Where most media consumption is going to be all new media and all these guys are, are they're all trying to position themselves because what's that going to look like? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like when you got people like my yeah. parents regularly listen to podcasts, then you know, like, okay, you know, the time has come. Well, yeah, they need real estate. Which in five to 10 years, that's, we are those guys, you know, we're yes. your parents. <laughs> and, and so 100% we will be, so it's uh, an, it's inevitable. It's heading that way. If mm -hmm. you look at any 12 year old right now, pay attention to how they consume content right now. And would you say 90% of it comes from their phone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 90% of it is streaming directly to their phone, either through Netflix or either through YouTube or following whatever. A lot of uh, stand-up comedians actually, like they get like analytics back from Netflix. They said, yeah, 90% watch on their phone. They're, right. they're, they're, and I was like, wow, I don't wow. watch any Netflix wow. on my phone, but the next generation is like, that's all they do. Yeah. So when we look at all these companies like Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and all this new media stuff, podcasting, all the platforms that put out podcasting and stuff, you are looking at, you know, Warner Brothers, you're looking at Sony, you're looking at, you know, Fox and CNN of in five years. That's what you're looking at. It's just, they're big now. That's nothing compared to where they're going to be five, 10 years from now. Yeah. The tide is turned already. It's too late. Like it's going to be interesting. So for me, it looks like Netflix is just positioning themselves, like trying to figure that out. Because Netflix theoretically could be in ten years the mega giant of all media that's being consumed if they position themselves right, or they could be like, well, hey, fighting for it, or it could be like, hey, remember that company Netflix? Yeah, yeah that I was know. cool. Yeah, yeah, those were great. Like, like Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah they were cool. Too. Yeah, I'm sure they learned the lesson. Yeah, though, yeah. since <laughs> they gave the lesson. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to evolve. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. 
For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Billiam McSquilliam. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is brilliant. For exercises like a dumbbell bench press, is it better to lock out your reps or keep constant tension on the pecs? My intention is overall strength and muscle gain. Love this this question. I do like this question too, although it's a little tough to explain on the podcast. Hopefully people... We'll get what we're trying to say when we say keep tension all the way through. Oh yeah, this is that's the big one. See, because this is where the and I learned these these bad habits through mm. watching bodybuilders and training like bodybuilders. These shorter where, reps with all squeeze. Yeah, shorter reps because you know quote unquote keeps tension on the muscle because if you lock out you lose tension. Here's the thing: if you lock out and then lose tension, it's because you lost tension. It's your own fault. You're, you're not keeping the tension <laughs> yeah, anymore. Thank you. Yes. Full range of motion. Uh, studies demonstrate this pretty consistently, and as a trainer who's trained lots and lots of people, you are going to develop more muscle and you are going to develop a wider range of strength, or at least a, 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 a the ability to, to have strength in a wider range of motion means you have to train in a wider range of motion. And so to keep tension, if I'm doing a bench press and I'm at the top of the bench press where my arms are straight, that doesn't mean I'm locking my elbows out and kind of relaxing. Right. I'm up at the top and I'm tensing everything. And if you think of what the pecs do, they bring the hands closer together. At the top of the bench press, if you want to really get tension, grip the bar tight and try to bring your hands together. Don't yeah, slide them. Too. Try and bring your hands together, though, yeah. but keep them in. It, there's there's techniques and ways to in in like enhance that tension and to keep that you know constant. And uh, a lot of that I've I've definitely found with the grip and and being able to really be conscious of that, like how I'm gripping, how I'm even trying to pull out as I'm like bringing the bar down towards my chest. And there's ways of enhancing that whole process that you just have to be more conscious of it. I think this is just a common question because we were taught the opposite. I remember as a trainer, I taught this. I taught the shortening up before the end range. And I, mm-hmm. used, I used to say that. You say, oh, don't lock it all the way out because that's dangerous on your joints. Mm-hmm. There is some truth to that, right? Like if you do... If you hyperextend your elbow yeah, at the top. If you hyperextend your elbow and you relax the body and you let the joints take over the load, like that could absolutely be dangerous. And I, and that's we all, and that's what I realized later on as a trainer was that, that all the education that we got we're always coming from the you know safe safety first, not mm-hmm. most uh, technically the most optimal or mm-hmm. for the best results. It was this is a safe way to teach this to your clients because a lot of them may do something really stupid and lock out their joints and then relax their muscle and then let, now all the the joint is taking the stress. Yeah. But no, ideally you're and this isn't just chest press. This is bicep curls and overhead presses and rows and every other exercise is ideal to take it through its foolish fullest range of motion, which includes locking the joint out, but locking the joint out is fine as long as the muscles are tense and supporting it at that end range. If you lock out and relax the body and you let the joint carry the load, well, it's now tough. it's bad. It's tough to do because like that's a natural tendency of your body is to just, oh, you know, like once, right. you, once you got to that end point. It's, it's always really trying to relax. be efficient. Yeah, it's trying to be efficient and conserve energy. And so you have to just consciously override that like natural tendency and just keep that tension and those muscles active even at the, uh, the end ranges. Yeah, and, and this is similar to when people ask me, should I squat all the way down? 
Um, should I go all the way down with my squat or go ass to grass? Here's the thing. You want to train within the range of motion that you own. So if you always train without straightening your arms out on a bench press and you find that it's not stable at the top, lighten the weight. Go much lighter and, and get better with that new range of motion. But as you do, you'll notice you're going to develop more muscle and a better type of strength because it's now covers a, a broader spectrum of your range of motion. Um, if your joints hyperextend, uh, I've seen those scare videos online, right? Where there's like, there's one video where this, this, this guy's doing a leg press and he's just popping the weight out oh, real fast. Oh. And then his oh knee, my god, I his, saw that. Too. Yeah, his Ugh. knee hyperextends at the very top, and then it, you know, and then he becomes a flamingo. Um, <laughs> so here, now that I just made everybody cringe, <laughs> like here's the deal. First off, he didn't own the end range of motion. Number two, hyperextending your joint isn't a good idea. Full range of motion would be full range of motion straight, not not where the joint is hyperextending. There's a difference there. So go all the way up till it's straight. Keep good tension. And then come all the way down. But train within the range of motion that you own. That both means go only as low as you have control over and go out as straight as you have control over. And if you don't have control over the, like for a long time, here's a good example. For a long time, I would do shoulder press overhead and I would stop about one or two inches short of lockout because I had learned some bad behaviors uh, some, some, and I had developed these patterns around it. Then when I started working with Justin and he was talking about overhead carries and I started focusing on that end range of motion. I had to go much lighter. I, I brought the weight down because I noticed that I wasn't as strong going all the way out. And so I had to go much lighter, but I reaped the benefits. I ended up building more muscle and I became stronger. If I went back to my old reps, I'd be stronger than I was before mm -hmm. because now I own more of the range of motion. So the, the rule of thumb is this. Use the fullest range of motion you have control over, like complete control over. Um, and as far as keeping tension is concerned, when you're trying to build muscle, your goal is not to become most efficient with the movement. Your goal is to feel it most in the muscles you're trying to work, which means keep that tension, which means at the top of a squat, I'm not just relaxing and you know relaxing my legs. If you really want to squat in a way to build your legs, you know what you do at the top of a squat? You flex your legs. You squat all the way up, you flex the shit out of your legs, and then you come down with good control and you repeat it again. But be warned, you're not going to be able to lift nearly as much weight or do as many reps as you normally would because you're not being as efficient. Next question is from Tyler Hagen Fit. How important is the mind-muscle connection for hypertrophy? Extremely important. Very important. Extremely important. Yeah, like uh, you could get um, – I could see somebody who could do pull-ups just very effectively and efficiently. They, they've learned how to do them really well. They're really, really good at them. They practice them all the time. That person could have just incredibly strong biceps and forearms and not really be engaging their lats a whole lot. They've gotten really good at the movement, but they haven't worked maybe the target muscle that they were aiming for. I see this uh, quite often with people who try to develop their butt, for example, and squats. Like They just get really good at squatting. I can squat a lot of weight, but my quads grow and my butt doesn't grow. And it's like, okay, you need to be able to connect to the muscles you're trying to target and feel it in those muscles. Otherwise, uh, you know, because your body, your body just, you tell your body to do a movement, it doesn't think yeah. muscles. It's mm -hmm. not like your body thinks, like you go to do a bench press. You're telling your body, push this bar off. Your body's not thinking, activate chest, you know, maximally and develop pec muscles. It's thinking, get this bar off my chest. 
and it's and it's going to do it in the easiest way it can, the most efficient way it can. And so if you have really strong shoulders and triceps, your those are the muscles you're going to connect to the most. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the muscles that you're you're not connected to. So connecting the muscle, that's what bodybuilding is all about. Well, resist all resistance training is is flex, flexing with resistance. That's all that's all resistance training is is flexing muscles with resistance, whether it be your body weight resisting, whether it be bands resisting, whether it be cables resisting, or whether it be free weights that are resisting. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And so if you are trying to develop a specific muscle, then any time that you are doing an exercise, you know, said exercise, you want to be thinking about trying to flex that muscle the entire time that you're going through the range of motion for whatever movement it is that you're doing. And it's crazy how important that this the mind muscle connection is, is because I can take the same exercise, let's say a squat, and I can make it feel totally different on my body. Yep. Yeah. I can do a squat and the average person looking at me would not be able to tell there's anything different about the squat. And when I get done, I can make my quads just blasted. Or I can make my butt completely blasted. Or I can make my hamstrings even feel it. My butt and hamstrings will kind of come together because that's it's the hinge. Similar. Right. It's similar. Mm-hmm. But you can you can change exercises just by being able to mentally concentrate on what you're trying to do. This is one of the things I enjoyed about uh, bodybuilding, you know, because really bodybuilding is just sculpt is sculpting the physique through training all these muscles. And it doesn't make sense for the average person that just wants to be healthy and get in good shape. But for somebody who's trying to sculpt the body and look at every little individual muscle and say, wow, I, this is very underdeveloped and this is overdeveloped. And then you could take exercises that are traditionally, you know, just thrown into a category of back, but really there's a lot of movement and a lot of muscles being worked in a row. It's not just a single muscle. We're not isolating just mm-hmm. one part of the back. There's lots of the back incorporating, but you have the ability to connect to mentally uh, the muscle you want to get developed most from that exercise and can start to overload it that way just by concentrating on it. Oh no, it's uh, bodybuilders are the masters of this. If yeah. you if you you know, people talk a lot of crap about bodybuilders when it comes to strength sports cuz they're, maybe they're not the strongest or they're not the most functional or whatever. But where bodybuilders shine above all other you know, iron sports or any sports that involve resistance, they can connect to muscles mm-hmm. better than anybody. If you took a, a, a good bodybuilder and you had them just stand and you had them stand next to an Olympic lifter or a power lifter or a CrossFit athlete and you told the bodybuilder, activate your lower trapezius, activate your lat. Uh, they'd be able to do it. You tell the other athletes, it's a, it's going to be a coin toss. Many of them won't even be able to activate their lats. They could do great pull-ups. They could do good rows. They could do good cleans. Right. But they're not able to connect. Whereas a bodybuilder, I could tell them, flex your rear deltoid. Activate your brachialis muscle. Activate your, your leg bicep. Activate your, you know, your erector spinae muscles. And bodybuilders, will be able to do that. They'll be able to connect. That's what I learned through bodybuilding. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's funny talking about this because I was going to bring up the point of how shitty athletes are at this and, and how like I had to train myself to really figure out how to get that mind-muscle connection and to access certain areas of my body that I felt 
Um, like, I don't understand why I'm not feeling it, you know, in my lats or where I'm not feeling it where I should be within this exercise because refining the movements and working on the skill of movements, it's a lot of times it's all encompassing. And I'm using, like you said, the, the, you know, the, the most, uh, efficient access point in terms of like a recruitment pattern I've created to, uh, you know, get through that movement, not necessarily, you know, which muscles specifically I was turning on or off. And so I think it's even, it would be even more beneficial for athletes to go through the process of learning how to access all their muscles muscles and then and joints and, and make sure everything is working harmoniously and you have uh you know uh, abilities where like I can I can pull upon you know different muscle groups and now work more on the movement by itself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's again it's a gift uh to that bodybuilders have given athletes that I think a lot of athletes don't take advantage of. Because here's the deal if you're an athlete and you're like I don't give a shit if I develop all the muscles and balance or whatever. I want to be a really good athlete. Well, here's where connecting to muscles comes into, into play for you. Here's where the value is. You get hurt. If yep. you have a muscle that is weak or not connecting right, you go do the rehab movement and you're not connecting to the right muscle. You're doing the movement right, but you're not connecting the muscle the way you should. That movement is not going to benefit you as much. So when I would train athletes, I remember I'd have to like almost train them like a bodybuilder with correctional exercise. Like, okay, here's what we're trying to feel. Isolate. Here's the action of that movement. Can you do that? And they would do the movement. And I'd be like, no, no, no. We got to feel it right here. This is the movement. This is the muscle that's turned off for you. You know. Yeah, and when you're over dominant, uh, a lot of times you know you neglect a lot of muscles that need attention and, and need are you know vital in the process of decelerating or mm -hmm. something like that. Where you see a lot of injuries occur, uh, you know, in the decelerating or the or cut making a like a, a quick turn or a cut. Uh, where they're they're just not familiar and their muscles aren't responding properly to that. So yeah. we need to train that process. Remember when we uh, went to visit Ben Pikulski? Yeah, and we all worked out with him. Mm -hmm. I remember when when, when, <laughs> when a bunch of his struggle. That yeah, was yeah, for me. when yeah, yeah. Because so what happened is we all went to uh, when Ben Pikulski, right? IFBB pro bodybuilder, super smart dude, uh, all about connecting uh, to muscle and all that stuff. And so he took uh, Justin, Adam, and myself through a workout. And I remember he. He was always correcting Justin. Now it wasn't because Justin had bad form. Justin knows how to work out. He's got really good form. Yeah. But he could see he Justin moves like an athlete. He wasn't pressing like a bodybuilder. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, doing the extensions like a bodybuilder because he's you don't wasn't train doing anything like a bodybuilder. Yeah, you don't train to <laughs> connect like, to the No, this is wrong. This is yeah, wrong. This is wrong. Feel this muscle. Me. Feel this muscle. And Adam and I were cracking up. I was getting so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it's 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 almost uh uh counterintuitive for an athlete because you, for an athlete, it's all about efficiency. Totally. Yeah. And when it comes to efficiency, you want to utilize every resource you have, which is every muscle surrounding the muscle that you can, you're currently working to support it, to gather energy from it, to help m momentum with it. Mm -hmm. And that's how movement is created as an athlete. And you just want to get really efficient at said movements where if you're a bodybuilder, you don't really give a shit about being the best at that movement, I want to get the most out of that for what I'm trying to accomplish. For which, that muscle. For that muscle. I'm trying mm -hmm. to develop this part or this this muscle right here, mm -hmm. and I don't really care if you can out bench me by you know 50 pounds if I can get it to work the area that I want more to be developed more. So it's just it's counterintuitive for an athlete, but like to your point, so I think it's it's so important to both. I think they they carry over. And, well, for muscle hypertrophy purposes, yeah. it is extremely important. It's yeah. extremely important that you learn how to connect to muscles. You can get away with not having great connection 
because you're doing the best exercises and you're doing them right and all that stuff. But to maximize muscle development and especially to develop muscles that are weak areas on your body, connection is everything. Next question is from Like a Stranger. Can you explain the benefits of lifting more unwieldy items like heavy bags or heavy slam balls Mm. compared to traditional barbells that are easier to grip? Mm. Can one achieve as much strength and muscle gain maneuvering a 50-pound barbell versus a 50-pound slam ball? Oh, yeah. Here's why. So this is why I love this question so much. So Mm. when we first wrote Maps Strong with Robert Oberst, uh, remember – Robert Oberst, world's strongest man, competitor, uh, massive human being, uh, of course, very, very strong. And we wanted to create a program that you could do in the gym um, with gym equipment. So because strongmen tend to use all kinds of weird, you know, different types of apparatus. Yeah, crazy unconventional yeah. stuff. But but a lot of the movements had to be unconventional and be kind of strongman inspired. And so we wrote this program, we put it together, and there's movements that are familiar in there. You're doing incline presses and shoulder presses and and some curls and stuff like that. But then there's these unconventional movements or movements that I wasn't super familiar with. Snatch grip, high pulls and zercher squats and the circus press and you know, uh, you know, heavy farmer walks and you know with with a trap bar or heavy farmer walks with dumbbells, stuff like that. Well I followed the program and the reason why I followed it is uh, we, we always test our programs, but also because I have, for me, uh, it's pretty close. I like aesthetics, but I also like being strong. I would say being strong edges out aesthetics a little bit for me uh, in terms of what I like more than, than the other. And so I saw this program, like, cool, this is going to be fun. I'm going to focus on just getting strong. Completely did not expect and anticipate the muscle building that I got from Map Strong. I remember my traps, my shoulders, my arms started to develop more. And it was all because I was doing movements I normally don't do. Yeah. Like I had no idea that heavy farmer, and I got to the point where I was doing farmer walks, heavy farmer walks with 450 pounds. Uh, I did not know that that would make my biceps grow, but they did. Mm-hmm. They made my biceps bigger. So unconventional lifts, uh, if you're just trying to build your body to look a particular way and you want to build a lot of muscle, th- because of the novelty of them and because you're, you're just your muscles are not used to being placed under resistance in these different positions, you're going to build more muscle doing that. Not to mention, it's actually probably more applicable to real life. Oh, yeah, far real more. world strength. Because... Yeah. I've never picked up a dog food bag that looks just like a dumbbell. I've never, you know, had to carry lumber that looks just like a barbell. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like real world strength is weird objects that are oddly shaped and that you have to. It's kind of like the debate that we we got into way back when when we talked about uh, rounded upper backs and squatting. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people just like cringe and think that's so horrible and bad. It's like. Listen, if you've ever picked up a a, gal- a five-gallon bucket of water or had to hug something really heavy like a log and carry it, yeah. what the hell do you think you're doing? Rounded you're, back Just help somebody move. Yeah. yeah. These are things that you're going to do. You know, pick up. You ever picked up a couch before yeah. and paid attention to your, 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 your refrigerator? Right. And Dude, so horrible. the cool part about, I think, training this way, uh, aside from what Sal just 
pointed out too is just to me it's it's the most closely related to real world strength where you're actually going to use it not to say that deadlifting and squatting with a barbell and dumbbells doesn't also translate and help with lifting a couch up but boy i'll tell you what the 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 sandbag or a stone or an odd shape is more realistic to real life stuff than than the barbell you just don't see it in the gym i mean i think we're just conditioned because barbells and plates are are nice to manage and you can kind of see progress and you know keep stacking weight uh, accordingly uh, and, and drop a nice plan around that whereas it's like getting a sandbag and getting like stones and getting these types of of uh, you know equipment it's hard to scale a lot of times and so you end up like you use it as a novelty and in, in, instead of something that you regularly use as well which you totally could it's it's weight at the end of the day yeah, and yeah. it's also because people have trouble programming that so if you're like somebody that's already been working out in the gym for a long time, and you have your chest day and your back day and your shoulder day or whatever, it's hard to program like, okay, well, what day do I do the yeah. the heavy sandbag carry or the you know the lift the rock? Like I'm using my legs, my back, my biceps. Like what day does it go on? Yeah. So it, it's it's just, I think it's because it's new. You're seeing it more in gyms now though. We were, I was just in a, what club was I in? It was like a, a, a it was like a normal gym. It wasn't even a specialized gym. And I saw that the, they have a machine that's a tire that you flip back oh, and yeah, forth, yeah. I've seen that like one. to carry, like you're like you're doing a tire flip. Yeah, yeah. you're seeing grass now in, in fields. You know the fake grass where people are doing pushing sleds and stuff like that. You're seeing more of that kind of stuff. Uh, have you ever? I guys, love it. Have you guys ever seen like a gym, uh, like a fitness gym guy? Try to do hard labor with a bunch of hard labor guys. Have you guys ever watched that before? <laughs> this is fucking I've, I've seen that before. Yeah. But, you know, I tell the stories of how I used to go to work with my dad I've in the seen summer. Buff guys play sports. Uh, and that's ugly too. Oh, dude. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I tell the stories I used to work with my dad in the summer. And I remember my dad used to own his own uh, tile and marble company where he, they, you know, they would go and lay tile and marble for people. And so we had crews. And one day I went to work for him. He had a crew that came with him. And one of the guys, uh, was new. It was a new guy that was just starting to work with them, and he was starting out as a helper. And this dude was was buffed. And I'm, you know, I'm 13 years old, and I'm all into muscle. So I remember looking at this guy, and be like, oh yeah, shit, wow, this guy's gonna be fucking. Yeah, awesome. I want, I want to look like that. Like yeah. he's really. I was asking him all these questions about working out, and like, eh. and I remember my dad kind of smirking. <laughs> and then my dad tells me in Sicilian, he says, "Let's see how let's see how well he lasts for the rest of the day." And I thought my dad was just being jealous. I'm like, you're just jealous because I think he's cool because he's buffed or whatever. <laughs> you're just jealous that your son thinks he's cool. <laughs> this fucking guy got creamed. Like, he could not last. He couldn't carry. By the end of the day, of course, my dad now is having a fun time of it. And he's telling he's telling this guy, let's see how many bags of cement you can put on your shoulder. And he's just crushing this guy. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking like, oh, that's there's a different kind of strength oh, totally. absolutely. in the world. Yeah. you know, Lifting and training with odd objects and doing weird kinds of workouts – you're not going to develop necessarily. You're, you're still going to develop muscle if that's primarily what you do. So let's say you don't touch dumbbells and barbells and you just do weird shit with odd objects. You're still going to look muscular. You're still going to develop muscle. But ultimately, it's not going to have the same small waist, wide shoulder, sculpted, round muscle look that bodybuilders have. But you are going to have this rugged... Like if you look at people that work with heavy objects, they have muscular forearms and hands. Their upper mm-hmm. backs are always very, very thick. Uh, they have they just they they have this hard granite kind of look to their body that is also quite desirable. I I still haven't met people that were impressed me more than uh, Nebraska farmers. Like, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, like every football team I was on, you knew who was like grew up on a farm because they 
killed everybody. Yeah. They just had so much strength in, in this this motor that wouldn't stop, and they just didn't know like you know anything else. Yeah. No, I think, and I learned this a long time ago. I read a book called Dinosaur Strength, uh, and I can't remember the. Every time I bring it up, I always forget the author's name. Uh, maybe Doug can find it for me. But anyway, in there, the guy talked about uh, odd lifts and the strength in the muscle that it would create it would do for his body. And so then I went online. This was a long time ago, too. This is at least 10 years ago, maybe more. I went online and I found a uh, Brooks Kubik is the name of the guy, dinosaur training. I, I found uh, this website that had st- like uh, strength equipment that was not your traditional strength equipment. So I found like this fat grip roller thing that you could stack weights on to strengthen your grip. Oh, right. I've I found one-sided dumbbells for forearm training. I found neck harnesses mm. and straps and all these weird equipment. And I started incorporating them in my routine because I thought it would be fun. But I built more muscle as a result of doing this. And that's when I fell in love with and, and started to really respect this kind of stuff. Map Strong was written that way. It was written in a way where you're using dumbbells and barbells, but you're also doing some of these other kinds of lifts. And that's why we're getting the. the well, it's such yeah, a great, massive carryover. It's there. such a great program to go through, even if you're not. And and I think we're seeing that more and more as more people get involved in the program. That even if you're not like trying to be a strong man or strong woman, like the the idea of learning how to incorporate that into your own program, that's where the real oh, benefit yeah. lies in that program. I think we're in the future. You're going to see more and more uh, people programming these types of things into their workouts. It's start it's 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 not mainstream, not even close yet, but it's starting to move in that direction where people are starting to do workouts that incorporate some of these other lifts and and, and techniques and whatever because even if your goal is just to look better, people are seeing like, "Oh shit, I'm getting better results right. because of these these lifts." Next question is from Camarones811. Do you suggest doing daily work on a muscle group such as daily core work? To help with development. Oh yeah, game changer. Yeah. I th- this right here. Well, this tells me you haven't followed any of our programs. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, uh, this is the uh, philosophy. Frequency. Yeah, the philosophy behind all of them is we we have our foundational workouts depending on which program you're following, and then we have what we call like frequency builders mm-hmm. uh, in all the programs. And now the frequency builders are named different things. It's either a trigger session, it's focus sessions, it's mobility, mobility. sessions. Mm-hmm. But the concept and the real benefit behind that is the exact answer to this this question right now, which is absolutely does uh, it help to frequently be touching this muscle that you want to develop. Now, I do want to say that, that you have to manipulate and you have to change intensity when you do that. Right, you can't hammer the shit out of a muscle Because this was a mistake that I made as a kid thinking that that was the, the the idea was I'll just hit my biceps every day and I crushed my biceps. They shrank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you burned <laughs> them out. Yeah, literally. They just wouldn't grow anymore. I got a little bit of a response initially and then they just plateaued hard forever. So there, there's this sweet spot of learning to be efficient with it too and a, a, allowing the body to recovery and not always hammering them. So there, so being frequent with your uh, uh, your actual programming, I think it's important. Now, all the programs that we write, we, we build these frequency builders and we scale the volume for you so you don't have to mm-hmm. do it. But if you were to do this on your own, the same rules still apply that we always talk about that, uh, you know, starting with uh, the least amount that you need to do to elicit change. So you don't want to go, if you're trying to develop your biceps, it's not a good idea to do biceps seven days a week right away. 
you would you would definitely be way less than that, mm-hmm. and the amount of total sets in a week would be pretty minimal at first. But one of the best ways for you to scale that volume up is just adding more days in the yeah, week. Yeah, I remember when this this I had this breakthrough of of frequency because what was hammered into my head through all the bodybuilding magazines and in and, and fitness publications growing up and through even just the fitness industry and working with other trainers was that you you beat a muscle really hard, you train it really hard, and then you leave it alone and it needs a week to recover. Mm-hmm. And I thought training any muscle group any more frequently than that was a bad thing. In fact, the magazines would make the case for that. Yeah. You need to rest and recover. Don't touch it again. It, you're going to overtrain it. Just just hit it real hard. Go to failure on all your sets and then don't do anything for it. And so this is what I did for years. And I'll never forget there was a it was a uh, it was before a summer where I was going to go to Italy to visit my family. And I think I was I want to say I was in my early 20s, early to mid, mid maybe mid 20s. And I remember reading an article uh, on the way bodybuilders trained in the 70s and 60s. I'm like, God, they trained with a lot of volume back then, uh, but they also did a lot of frequency. I was like, I wonder if that would work for me. So what I did was I took my workout, not realizing that this was actually a very smart strategy. I just thought it was logical. I says, okay, I do you know, 18 sets for chest on Monday. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to just do chest on Monday and on Thursday. I'm going to do nine sets each day. So I'm going to do the same same thing, just going to split the volume so it's on two days and see what happens. And I got incredible results. through. I got, my body responded, and I was like, huh, this is really interesting. So then I did more research, and I saw, wow, you know, strong men and bodybuilders before steroids ever hit the scene, they used to train the whole body at least three days a week, some of them four and five days a week. So I'm like, I wonder if I did a – full body workout three days a week, again, matching the volume. So I'm not going more volume than I did before, just increasing the frequency. Let's see what, what's going to happen. And I just I got the most fit and the strongest I'd ever gotten in my entire life. And then that's when I started implementing things like trigger sessions where what if I just got a little bit of a pump in the day on my biceps? You know, not, I hit it hard on Monday, but Tuesday, I'm not going to hit it hard. I'm just going to go get some bands and get a little bit of a pump and let's see what happens. And then I figured out I could do that three times a day on my off days and I would get phenomenal results. Um, so the reason why we program all of our programs to have lots of frequency is we learn these lessons through training ourselves. Yeah. The funny thing is I learned this with my clients before I did it on myself too. And it's funny because that's, you know, from a bodybuilding perspective, like I, and I, you know, fell into that same thing where it was like split routine, like, okay, that's the way you have to build muscle. I remember like reading all these materials when I was in the off season, cause I had to get bigger for my position. They're like, you got to gain like 20 pounds and it's gotta be muscle and all. I'm like, oh shit, how am I going to do that? You know, just eat a lot of food and like train like a savage, you know? Um, but what I found that I was doing actually with the team and when it was working the best, when I grew the most was we would have like a full body session where we'd go three days a week and we'd, we train really hard those three days in between. We were doing all these skills and drills and, mm. you know, light movement, uh, you know, in the days in between, didn't even put that together. Uh, would, would go back home and try and train myself and just hammer my, my legs one day, then my arms and then do that. And like not even close to the same results. Yeah, It just dawned on me because for, for years I was th- I thought, God, if you hit a muscle too frequently, it's just going to be, you're just going to burn it out. You're going to burn it. It's going to get smaller. You're not going to have big muscles. Like you need to hit it hard and then let it rest. And then I'd look at my family and I have all these blue collar workers in my family. None of them lift weights. All of them have muscular body parts that correspond to their job. So like my, 
My, my cousin who's a plumber, never lifted weights in his life, skinny dude, he's an ectomorph. He's not trained to failure. He's just cranking on wretches all the time. And the dude's forearms are fucking ridiculous. And I remember thinking like, wait a minute, there's something yeah. to this. Like, yeah, no, the, the, touch your muscle groups. If you have a body part that is lagging, you know, do your hard workouts, maybe two or three days a week for it. But then every day you could touch it a little bit, get a little bit of a pump or squeeze or do mobility work for it. And watch what happens. It'll blow you the fuck away. Well, I came from the camp of similar to you, Sal, where I actually even I believe that I did not want to hit it a second time. The goal was to have the most intense workout I could on that muscle, as hard as I could every time, and then to, to let it rest at least seven days. Yeah, do right? nothing. With yeah, it. like do not like let it rest and feed. And that was like you know it's all about intensity, how hard I can lift it, lift that muscle, and then how much good rest and food I can give it is what would dictate the growth of it. And mm. you know I was just unbelievably off and wrong. You know, and I had no, and I didn't realize the importance of frequency so much that I've I've learned now as I've gotten older how much frequency is such a such a powerful tool uh, even in comparison to intensity. Yes, intensity has a place. Yes, intensity is one of the important principles of of, you know, growing and building muscle. But boy, I think frequency is one of the most overlooked ways and it's the most realistic to maintain because what ends up happening to what used to happen to me all the time is I would just I would hammer the shit out of that that muscle and then it was just hard to bring that every single week to bring that level of intensity to and then to scale it to where next week I would need to bring it up a notch even more or add more to it in order to try and build and keep growing muscle man it was much easier to divide that over a week two, three, or even four times back off the intensity, but still every once in a while have a day of it. So maybe out of the week, I still only, I have a hard, intense day, but then two or three other days is more skilled, more movement, more control. Yeah, or pump. Yeah, focused, like pump. Like yeah, yeah. And sure. it's, it's, it's funny because this, I learned about this with, I knew this with my clients way before I applied it to myself. Like when I train clients, it's like every once in a while I'd have a client that would, train with me a lot and I'd be able to do a body part split and they wouldn't get as good results as the clients that I could train more frequently with full body type stuff. You know, I'd have clients who'd need to get better at squats and they'd come back and I'd be like, wow, your squats are a lot better. And like, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been practicing every single day with squats. I'm like, oh, that's a good thing. For whatever reason, I never thought that it applied to me. Like it was yeah. like I was a different, you know, species or whatever. But no, it applies like that. That makes a big difference. You are. It's, so. Look, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's say you want to get better at pull-ups. One of the best things you could do is practice pull-ups every single day. Don't hammer yourself. Just practice them every single day, no matter what you do. There was a program that went around for a long time online that was a squat every day program, I think it was, mm -hmm. where people were encouraged to go to the gym and do barbell squats every single day and then monitor their intensity each time. And it's it's so funny. People were talking about how, oh, my God, I added oh my God. 80 pounds to my squat. Growing. I added 50 pounds to my squat. That's the way the body works. Yep. Frequency is one of the, I agree with you, Adam, it's one of the most important factors, and it's extremely neglected uh, in the muscle building uh, world. And I think it, once people start to really learn about it, watch what happens. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com, download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at mindpumpjustin. Adam's at Mind Pump Adam, and you can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. 
Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.